R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio R E A audio. R E A audio. R E A audio. Audio. R E A audio. Reemployability. Reemployability. Season two. Season two. Season two. If I said Jerry Lewis, what image comes to mind? If you're a Gen X or older, you'll think of some slapstick comedy, maybe a singing career. But there's no doubt you'll also remember those hours long MDA Labor Day telethons. For me as a kid, they were intriguing to watch. A variety of acts that went on and on and on. Kind of like America's Got Talent, but underproduced and relatively no edge. The parts of the telethon that got me the most was when Lewis would bring on a child suffering from muscular dystrophy. Jerry's kids, they were called, and it was heartbreaking. Kids in wheelchairs with very limited muscle function. It was the whole point of the marathon telethon, and I know his efforts helped a lot of people. Now, there's no more Jerry Lewis telethon, but Jerry's kids are still suffering and being serviced by MDA. Reemployability is fortunate to have MDA as one of our not-for-profit partners who take on injured workers as volunteers for their transitional duty. The program with MDA offers return-to-work options for employees who need to work from home because of their more rural location or because of the extent of their injuries. So this week, we're excited to be visiting with Wendy Dressen, Senior Director of Volunteer Programs with Muscular Dystrophy Association, and Anthony Meza, a man who was injured on the job and has been working with MDA for his modified duty assignment. Both are extremely grateful for the other. All right, Wendy Dressen is the Senior Director of Volunteer Programs for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, and Anthony Meza is an injured worker uh, that has been placed with MDA through reemployability, and we're really, really fortunate to have you both on here because we want to talk about some of the really good things, Anthony, that you've been able to do as part of your volunteer program. And and Wendy, always interested in MDA. I, I can remember growing up as a kid, and I'm sure I'm the first one to ever say this to you, but the uh, the telethons that used to be on, and uh, and and. They were just so interesting to me as a kid. I remember watching and all the stuff that went on and it was a lot of fun. Obviously, MDA has changed a lot since then and uh, your mission has changed a lot. But, you know, even though I know people are familiar with MDA, I mean, it's probably one of the top most recognized um, organizations um, because of all those things that happened in years past. But can you explain a little bit about like what actually is muscular dystrophy? How do people get it? And and what is the mission of MDA? Sure. Um, so muscular uh, dystrophy, it's a genetic disease that causes progressive weakness, um, progressive weaknessing and degeneration of the skeletal muscles that are involved in voluntary movements. And it can start as early as birth, or you can get a late onset diagnosis. Um, There are many types and subtypes and the severity can vary as well. So it's just luck of the draw, it's genetics. Um, And like I say, you can determine you have it at multiple places in your life. So the Muscular Dystrophy Association, we've been around for over 70 years and our mission is to empower people who are dealing with muscular dystrophy ALS and related neuromuscular disease diseases we want to empower them to live longer and live more independent lives muscular dystrophy association we fund research worldwide we have care centers uh, our care center network that is made up of over 150 locations that offer 
offer multidisciplinary care. We have, um, <clears throat> sorry, a resource center. We provide summer camps. We have educational programming for families and professional communities. And then we advocate for people who are living with neuromuscular diseases to make sure that they have access to treatment from day one, access to travel, to healthcare, to education, um, employment, independent living, and more. Is, is MDA, is, I'm sorry, is muscular dystrophy something that, will, is it something that eventually ends someone's life? It, it can shorten their life, yes. Okay. We are definitely seeing changes though. Um, people are living longer and they're able to live more independently than they were decades before. So we're seeing a lot of progress, a lot of hope. How did you get involved in MDA? I have been in volunteer engagement for longer than I care to admit, um, and I recently started at Muscular Dystrophy Association, as you mentioned, as the Senior Director of Volunteer Programs. And so what that means is we just engage volunteers to support both our mission and our fundraising events. So mission includes things like research, care, advocacy programming, um, ad advocacy programming, including summer camps, professional conferences, and going to Capitol Hill. We also engage volunteer volunteers to help with our fundraising activities. So that might include things like our gala events, our community muscle walks, fill the boot with firefighters and our partners at IAFF. Um, and golf events with our partners and community leaders that are all passionate about um, our cause. So for, like I mentioned, for over 70 years, MDA has been the number one voluntary healthcare organization that is helping people who are living with neuromuscular disease. So obviously as a voluntary organization, volunteers have been at the forefront uh, of our legacy. But of course, families are at the heart of our mission, but we couldn't do what we do without our volunteer support. And in relation to our volunteers and in dedication to them, we have declared 2023 the year of the volunteer at MDA. So I want to give a shout out to Anthony and to all the MDA volunteers and just all the people who volunteer in general. So thank you. My pleasure. That's <laughs> awesome. Great transition, Wendy. So <laughs> Anthony, tell us, if, if you don't mind, a little bit about how, as I mentioned in the intro there, you were injured on the job and you uh, were put into the transition to work program through reemployability and then were placed at MDA. So tell us a little bit about your background, about your injury. And um, what I'm most curious about is after your injury, when you were released to modified duty, like, what did that feel like? What did that process, how did, how did that kind of, how, how were you able to process that in your mind going from your normal, what you're used to doing into doing volunteer work? So, so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, thank you, Todd. First, you know, I'm, I'm in the automotive business. Um, been in there for, for over 20 years. And unfortunately, I got injured on the job. And, uh, um, Got an email one day from Reemployability um, to go and uh, work for a nonprofit, and it, 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 to be honest, it shocked me at first because I'm like, "Well, what's going on here? How come I'm not going back to my work or or working for my work?" And and it's kind of a you know a scary situation in the, in the first moments. But uh, once I got a hold of you know who I needed to get a hold of, and they explained it, it you know, hey, this is what you got to do in the meantime while you recuperate, and they can meet your 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 standards of of your injuries. I said, okay, well, yeah, that's, that, you know, that sounds like a good plan. And, um, you know, I've never, I've never worked for a nonprofit before. I've never 
done volunteer work as far as you know um, MDA or any type of those uh, companies. Um, I've coached I've coached little league and you know done my things like that, and I'm still coaching. <laughs> but uh, you know, never gotten to the, to, to the aspect of uh, you know helping others through volunteer work. And um, when I started off uh, uh, with the MDA, um, it was uh, it was at first a little, a little shaky, and then it, it, it got exciting for me. And um, not only that, when you when you're doing things like for the MDA, when you're calling people and you're hearing the excitement on the other side of the phone, or the thankfulness of what the MDA has done for them, it's opened my eyes to really an aspect of what they really do, because I can hear it firsthand from the people that receive those those kind of benefits. And um, I've had, I've heard people cry on the phone. I've heard people laugh on the phone and just, just, you know, be very thankful. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, it helps me as a person as well, because I always start off my days here in the morning, making these calls because a lot of them are East coast. So for me, it's early. And uh, you know, I get on the phone. One of the first things I'm doing is calling. Well, guess what? I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the pain anymore that I have recovering. I'm not concerned about, you know, you know, the stress or anything like that that I have, you know, going in the back of my head of, you know, when am I going back to work? Um, when am I going to heal? It's more, hey, I'm going to focus on this and help these people out. It's my, not, you know, they're, they're dependent on me to help these people by me volunteering. It felt good uh, to do that. And uh, almost like every morning, every day, I just got better and better at it. <laughs> and I kind of took off with it. And uh, they have me doing different things and get into the retail part of it too, which is great because then now I have the people that are helping just like me and hear the excitement in their teams, you know, being able to help out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, you know, for that to happen and it was a great experience for me. And not only that, when I, when I started to, you know, come back to out of it to where I was no longer into, in the program, you know, I got to my, my, my time in order and um, now I'm volunteering just just out of my own you know uh volunteering in the mda because it like i said it gives you a sense of positivity for the day not only for the day in your life mm -hmm. so i mean I, I found that new avenue in my life to help others you know in ways that i can with just a matter of time you know and it doesn't take much time a day you know and, and, and if i can do that and change people's lives or help people or encourage them or even help the cause you know i'm going to give it to them so Anthony, you mentioned making calls. I, I imagine because of the nature of your injury, you're, the the role that you have with MDA as part of your transitional assignment was working from from home, right? Yes, correct. Working from home, uh, going through a list of calls uh, to reach out and thank people, and then not only that, um, you know, let people know about marathons that are coming up, muscle walks that were happening, mm -hmm. and uh, because of the COVID, the last couple of years they didn't have a few of those walks in certain places. And I'm getting a hold of those people, and they're excited to hear that they're back in town. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, "Oh my God, that's great! Where do I sign up?" And you know, just write down all the information, and and there you go. <laughs> so you mentioned that you were able to make people smile. You heard people cry. What are yeah. some of what to, if you can think of a a good story? Like, tell us an example of one of those situations where you feel like you really had an impact on somebody. Okay, yeah, I did call um, a home, and it happened to be um, the grandmother. And uh, I, I started talking to her. At first, she didn't know who I was, and I explained to her. And then it's just, oh, that's my, that's that's. It was actually her uh, her grandson's name. That and and um, he was going through some hard times, and they didn't have the muscle walk. This is one of the places where they didn't have it for, 
you know, it, it was, uh, I think it was virtual. And um, she was so excited to, uh, to hear that it was coming back. And I believe it was Houston. And, uh, and uh, she was just, you know, kind of like jumping for joy. You can, you can hear her, you know, letting her know, says, get on the phone, get on the phone. And she put him on the phone and she'll tell them, thank you, tell them, thank you. And he's, and then he's trying so hard to, 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 to speak and, and say thank you. That's where I really, I really felt that one. I was like, oh, you know what? I go, wow, you know, that, you, know you could really see that the amount of effort the kid put into saying thank you, it really meant that he really meant it. You know, and I was like, man, this, this, this really does mean a lot to certain people. And um, that was one of the ones that uh, I remember that, you know, really hit me. And uh, I really realized, you know, it does make a difference. Wendy, how in your experience in the time that you've been working with volunteers, how has volunteerism changed over the years? Is, is there a different type of person that's volunteering now? Are there different roles? Obviously, Anthony's doing what he's doing from home. And I know that with reemployability, that was kind of how our partnership started ramping up was uh, the ability to kind of do things from a home situation. But how has volunteerism changed over the time that you've been involved in that part of not-for-profits? So way back in the day, it used to be um, typically like volunteer base was made a lot by women maybe who didn't work, who had the time to donate. They would come in and you could utilize them in any way that you needed. And as people, as we now have dual income families or people have less time, it's more about meeting the needs of the volunteers. It's not just volunteers show up and they'll do whatever you want me to want to do. So we want to make sure that we're creating meaningful opportunities for volunteers. Um, so you might see people who um, come in as needed or just give you a small window of time and they have something very specific that they would like to do. And then of course the pandemic kind of threw us all for a loop, right? Where things had to become virtual. And the great thing is that a lot of companies became really savvy and smart about what are some ways we can utilize people who can't come to us if they can't come in person. And so now, um, like Anthony was mentioning, and Muscular Dystrophy Association, a lot of our in-person events are coming back. And so we have both virtual opportunities as well as those in-person events where people can come and help day of um, to execute an event or support our, fun our firefighters or to participate in a golf event. So right now it's both. And I think that we're going to continue to see that trend where it's it's not just all about the organization and what their needs are. It's how it can be a win-win for the volunteer as well as organization. Um, and they're going to be choosy about how they spend their time because people have less time. And so they're going to want to go someplace that has, it's creating meaning for them when they do donate their time. Is there anything specific working with reemployability and an injured worker coming to be a volunteer that you feel benefits Muscular Dystrophy Association? Absolutely. I mean, it's exactly what Anthony touched on. But I think that for these injured workers, it can be a time of isolation and inactivity. And so if they are able to contribute in a role as a volunteer at Muscular Dystrophy Association, I think that it, they can be more engaged and they feel like they're contributing towards a greater good as a part of that volunteer team. So <clears throat> there's lots of research on the benefits of volunteering. And a couple of things that come to mind when I think about injured workers are that sense of purpose and valuable life or valuable skills that you're learning. So 
I talked to Anthony the other day and he just hit it on the head, right? Like he's not focused on his pain and he's not, he's not wallowing. And I hate to say that word, but like he's helping other people. And so when you are helping other people, you are thinking less about the troubles that you have in your own life. Um, so I think that they feel very rewarded and they feel like they're making a meaningful contribution. And of course, one of the other really great benefits for those injured workers as part of that transition to work is they get a continued paycheck. So that's that's a nice benefit, too. But the organization benefits, the people that we serve benefit, and of course, the volunteers benefit. So it's a win, win, win. One of the questions we get from employers when we're talking to them about this program is, how are the injured workers monitored or kind of, you know, how are they made accountable, especially for a role where you're sitting at home doing the, the work? So tell me a little bit about the accountability that uh, MDA has put into place for volunteers, because I'm sure it's not only people that are working for you through reemployability that are doing this work from home. I'm sure you have all kinds of volunteers doing that. And and I'm sure that this job is there because it's needed to be done, right? So there's got to be some accountability in place to make sure the job's getting done. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, Anthony certainly can speak to that more. But when I think about, so we typically use uh, virtual volunteers in a couple of different manners. So retail programs is one of that where we have different partners who um, run fundraising campaigns or partner with us for fundraising campaigns. So you might have gone into different drugstores or restaurants where you will see the, the, the shamrock cutouts where you can buy a shamrock and that money goes towards Muscular Dystrophy Association. So we need a lot of virtual work to connect with those partners to make sure that they've got the supplies that they need um, just to support them in any way that they can. And so our retail program, they're really savvy. Like they've got everything tracked out. So probably for volunteers who help with that, they have an idea of how many phone calls they need to be making every day, how much information they need to be gathering. And then they're working closely with staff who's providing direction and guidance and to make sure that the volunteer feels comfortable, but also to make sure that the expectations as far as what kind of work is being done is actually being done. Um, and so kind of similar is in our team momentum and our muscle walks. It's a lot of reaching out to people who've participated in the past. And so there would be expectations of this is how many phone calls that you should be able to make. You need to track the information um, so that we can document not only how you're spending your time, but who's what past participants are interested in participating again or what kind of information you've gathered that we need to document in our database. Anthony, do you feel like the work that was provided to you, I mean, you had a you had enough to do during the day, but it wasn't overwhelming. Like, how do, how do you feel you were um, monitored and do you feel like it was a, it was a fair, a fair thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, like she said, I, I, I had Cassie and Brittany in the beginning and uh, they're excellent mentors. Um, they would be on track of, of um, what I would do per day because I would document every call that I make and I document on a spreadsheet. And it's a live spreadsheet to where whatever I type in, you can see right on the other side. And um, their, their job was to go through those spreadsheets to make sure their group of people and how many have been called per day, you know, a certain amount of, uh, of calls. And, um, you know, I, and I felt comfortable doing it and it wasn't overwhelming. And, um, you know, some, some people work more than more faster or more efficient than others. 
but uh, I was able to contribute a good amount and I, I still contributed. And um, they would always give me the feedback that I needed. If, uh, you know, hey, can I, you know, if there was any more than I needed to do, I would. But uh, on mine, it was, um, you're kicking butt. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and like, uh, keep moving on. You're doing perfect. You're on a, you're on a great, you know, great tempo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I had the guidance I needed to let me know that I'm putting in the right amount of calls and the right amount of hours. Good. One of the things I want to just kind of step back, Anthony, when we first asked you about your experience, you said that there was a little bit of fear in there when you first got the letter. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Where, where, what was that fear about? And it was, and- it was, it was almost about like first of all, if I was, you know, going to get paid, I seen that uh, the pay, and I was like, I was confused about it of hourly, and uh, you know, I'm a salary bonus kind of guy, and uh, this was an, an hourly. I don't know if I was going to get on my hours now, if I'm going to get paid the same, you know, just, I got a family of four, and I'm the sole provider. So with me being down just just alone is is scary. So and then when uh when I kind of figured it out, and um, you know, researched it a little bit, I got I got you know, I said, you know what. You know, let's give it the first week, couple of weeks. I seen my paycheck come in, and I said, "Okay, okay, let's go another week." And then, and and it kind of just flowed with that, and I was I was confident afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then if I had any bumps in the road, I reached out, and they were taken care of. So I mean, that's that, that's another thing. The staff on your end, not only your end, but uh, Jen at MDA, she was uh, sure enough, like you said, of tracking of hours. Um, mm-hmm. She would also have my hours and know. And, and uh, re- reassure I worked so many, if not one day and not day that I did not work. Right. So she was able to provide you guys with that information for you guys to turn it into my employer. Right. You mentioned the you coached Little League Baseball. That was kind of your volunteer stuff. I did the same thing. So believe me, that, that takes a lot of time. And I, oh, I yeah. commend you for that. It, it's more coaching the parents than it is coaching the kids at some point. Right. That, that was the worst part. Mm-hmm. Um, but what have you done any other types of volunteer for organizations such as MDA or anything else that you had been involved in? Or was this your first experience with that? You know, kind of this is my first experience uh, with, with an outside, no, with, a, with a big, you know, organization like this. Um, I've always done my local stuff. I've always been, you know, chaperone if I could, you know. I'm on, actually, I'm coaching Babe Ruth tonight at 6 o'clock. <laughs> and, uh, you know, those type of deals. I always like to give back whenever I can and help out. Or even even when it goes to my family, it, it always seems like they're the ones that come over to me and hey, you know, I got a problem. What do you think? Or you know, even with their kids, you know, I, I'm proud to say I have four kids and they're all leading in the right direction um, with college and, and they're all honor students. So um, it's a good model family that I believe we have, and um, I work hard for it. And uh, whenever I do work, I put 100. percent And uh, when I got this opportunity, I want to, you know. You're, whoever came up with your, your, your reemployability, I think is a really great deal now because of it gives people a different aspect of life when you're able to do things like this that you wouldn't normally do or get the chance maybe to do. It almost forcefully kind of puts you in that position. But when you do get in that position, it opens your eyes to a lot of newer things. Thanks for listening to REA Audio. We're going to pick up our conversation with Wendy and Anthony next time, so keep an eye out for part two to post soon. 
If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. That's the best place for feedback and show suggestions. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or YouTube Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at listentorea.com. If you have a story to tell or know someone who does, please don't be shy. Email Todd at reemployability.com or tell us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. Have a great week.